Hello and welcome to another episode of Best of the Left Podcast. Today we have clips from MSNBC, The Young Turks, Ring of Fire, Rachel Maddow, Keith Olbermann, TPMTV, Mike Malloy, and Dennis Kucinich. Let me read you the latest polls from New Hampshire so you're not unclear about Obama's lead. There's about, I don't know, about 10 polls or so. I'll read them real quick. First off, uh, on the Republican side, and the Republican side is going to be very interesting on uh, Tuesday night, and of course, come to the Young Turks at 7 p.m. Eastern, Young Turks, theyoungturks.com, uh, for coverage all night long. Um, generally speaking, this is the, out of the 10 polls, McCain is on up on average over Romney by about five points. So McCain should win, but it's not absolutely clear. In some, in one or two of the polls, Romney's still leading. But overall, McCain up by five points. Huckabee in third place overall. <coughs> excuse me, uh, up by about 12, 13. I'm sorry, has about 12, 13 points. And then it goes Giuliani and then Ron Paul. In some polls, uh, some polls, Ron Paul is above Giuliani. So that's the Republican side. On the Democratic side, I'll, I'll read them to you real quick. I and. Edwards is between 15 and 20 points and in third place in all of these. But I'll just read you Obama and Hillary. USA Today Gallup poll, Obama 41, Clinton 28, 13-point lead. RealClearPolitics.com poll, Obama up by 5. CNN WMURUNH poll in New Hampshire, Obama up by 10. MSNBC poll, Obama up by 2. Reuters poll, Obama up by one. Concord Monitor, Obama up by one. American Research Group, Obama up by 12. And Rasmussen Report, Obama up by 10. So all in all, Obama with a very significant lead. And I just don't see him losing that lead. Train, he played the sax. Me, myself, I love to max. Up in the studio, laying tracks. Burn it on the CD, melt the wax. And I'm feeling fine, cause daily music's on my mind. And I feel mellow when I watch the girl play the cello. Hello to all my fellow. Okay, we're, gonna, we're about to make a projection here right. on NBC News. Is there making it is. There. Hillary Clinton has won the uh, New Hampshire primary of the Democratic Party for 2008. She's pulled a stunning upset. All the polls, all the polls we've been reporting now for days have pointed to a substantial victory by Barack Obama, the senator from Illinois. He has failed to achieve that test. She has left herself now, having come back from a loss in the Iowa caucuses, to win the New Hampshire primary with the help of a tremendous turnout by women voters, overwhelming the number of male voters, 57 to 43. She's gotten the lioness's share of those voters to vote for her. Uh, she has beaten the odds. She has beaten the pollsters, the pundits. Every one of us, I think, included, who have been trying to follow this campaign and understand it. I think something happened. It must have happened fairly recently, or else these pollsters should find another means of employment. All right, well, the entire industry was apparently mistaken, had nothing to do but every with... Poll, with and that's my point. At least on the other side, there was some disagreement. In, this t in the case of the Democratic uh, primary, these polls were relentlessly pro-Obama. And even the ones within the Clinton camp. And speaking of the Clinton camp, let's go directly now to headquarters uh, in, in New Hampshire, where Jake Carson uh, from the Clinton campaign is standing by, spokesman and, uh, and veteran uh, Clintonian. Jay, um, exactly what happened here, other than your candidate winning? Do you understand what happened here and why? Well, I got to tell you, Keith, I can barely hear you because these people behind us just found out that we won tonight. Look, this turned around on Saturday night. She started answering everyone's questions, and the people of New Hampshire clearly answered two questions. Who can be the best president and who can win in November? And their answer was a resounding Hillary Clinton, and that's what we're seeing tonight. People have really been responding to her, and we felt that starting on Saturday, and here we are tonight. It's great. You did you have an expectation of this? Because every report we've heard from out from in that room tonight, go, dating back to five and six o'clock this afternoon, was that you guys were bracing not just for a loss to Senator Obama, but a significant one, perhaps in double digits. 
Well, look, Keith, I think this is a good lesson for us to be careful what we read. You know, yesterday there was a website that had a death watch on us. Today all the stories were about who is still going to be around on our campaign tonight. And then tonight we won. So look, you know, she got out there. She made the case that the American people and people of New Hampshire need talk and not just action. And the people responded. We're going to have a great night and we're going to go on. We're going to keep on fighting. We're going to fight all the way through February 5th. And we feel like the whole country is going to respond to that message. People want action, not just talk, after seven years of George Bush. You know you tore me up. You really wore me out. I swear I cried so much that I nearly drowned. Lot of news for you. Got a lot of post-election analysis. In case you've been living in a box out of nowhere, Hillary Clinton off the top rope with an elbow from the sky. It's Obama, and he's reeling. He's reeling. Hillary Clinton, in the most unexpected results I've seen maybe in my lifetime, stuns Obama. Theoretically down by 10 points the day before uh, the primaries. And we'll get into whether she actually was or not. That's one of the big stories. She comes back and wins by two in New Hampshire. Hillary Clinton. The winner of the New Hampshire primaries. Numbers are 39 to 37%. John Edwards comes in with 17%. Richardson at 5 and Kucinich at 1. On the Republican side, John McDonald. Kate is the damn okay. John McCain's the winner by five, uh, thirty-seven to thirty-two over Mitt Romney. Uh, Huckabee at eleven, Giuliani at nine, Ron Paul at eight, Fred Thompson at one, uh, and Mitt Romney and John Edwards both saying today we will soldier on, and then we will bring the fight to them. Uh, we'll see how true that is of of Romney because his main advantage was supposed to be winning in Iowa and New Hampshire, and he didn't either. So we'll see how that plays out. But Edwards says he's in it for a long haul. We'll get back to Edwards in a little bit. But um, there are three main words that characterized uh, Obama's effort, as he put it in his quote-unquote concession speech, which sounded more like a victory speech, and Hillary Clinton's uh, attitude in New Hampshire. Now, we're going to play both speeches for you, not in their entirety, but the the go-to clips, as it were, right? And I can't get it out of my head. I mean, the guy's a genius at giving speeches, Barack Obama. He's awesome. I, it got better when I re-listened to it. And three words rang out. Yes, we can. And there's some chance that Barack Obama snatched victory from the jaws of defeat with his quote-unquote concession speech. Now, perhaps other people didn't pay as much attention to it as I did. Uh, it's possible, but we'll see how that plays out as the days unfold. Uh, but, of course, the media paid attention, and that's going to be relevant as well. And the media is a huge part of this story. Because part of the reason it's a huge part of the story is because they, I, it's now official in my mind, they hate Hillary Clinton. So, in an ironic way today, I will both be the greater de- greatest defender of Hillary Clinton as well as her greatest opponent. <laughs> uh, you know, I attack her on the substantive issues all the time, and I will continue to do that today, tomorrow, etc., because I don't agree with uh, her record, and I don't agree with where she's positioned herself. But that being said, the media attack on her is vicious and completely unwarranted. And I think it might have helped her to win in New Hampshire. We'll get to that in a second as well. But you know what? Overall, the three words that describe Hillary's win last night is, what happened now? She's got to be looking around going, oh, what happened? I thought I was out of it. Including me, by the way. I think she's going to send me an email soon. Oh, tough guy, I thought it was over. 
What, uh, ben pounded the gavel two minutes into our coverage that Obama had won. <laughs> when, obviously, he didn't. <laughs> Dewey defeats Truman, right? Um, and I, I wrote, uh, thank God I formed it in the form of a question for AOL and for Huffington Post. Is it over yet? I, and I was like, and I struggled with myself to say whether I should pound the gavel and say it's over or to ask the question. I feel a little better at least that I asked it in the form of a question. And I said in there that, look, I, things could, uh, miraculous recovery could happen. And you know what? It did! It did! <laughs> and we gotta, look, I wanna take your calls on this in a little bit, but we gotta find out what the hell happened in New Hampshire. Why were the polls so wrong? To give Obama anywhere from a 9 to a 13 point lead in almost all the polls in New Hampshire, and then they come and vote, and Hillary wins by two. How the hell did that happen? Young Turks on the Best of the Left podcast. If you like what you hear, please go to our website, theyoungturks.com, where you can watch the show every day from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can also participate in discussion forums or a live chat with the Young Turks fans. And you can support liberal political programming by becoming a TYT member or by purchasing Young Turks merchandise. All that at theyoungturks.com. Thanks for listening. about the election okay okay in the big media let's write an easy to understand story about all this giant unaccountable factually challenged everybody get on the same bus everyone repeat after the most senior pundit nonsense that passes for political coverage in the united states of america here's how we're supposed to understand what happened in new hampshire last night there's no doubt about it. One of the greatest political upsets in American political history. That was the chorus last night. Well, that was Tim Russert leading the chorus, but that was the chorus. As news rolled in, starting with the earliest returns, as news rolled in that Hillary Clinton was going to win the New Hampshire primary. It's the political, the biggest political upset in modern American history. A huge, totally unexpected, out of nowhere, utterly unpredictable, shocking, ruckus to our core, surprise, man, bites, dog, wow. No one could have seen this coming. You know, I don't mean to be the in the punch bowl or anything here, but, uh, and I should say, I, I profess to have had no more awesome foresight into last night's results than anybody else who gets paid to talk about politics. But honestly, Hillary Clinton was way ahead, way ahead in the New Hampshire polls for m- more than 98% of the last year. She was way ahead. Go to, uh, if you, if you, if you have access to a computer, Sometime today, sometime tonight, go to realclearpolitics.com or pollster.com, one of those sites where they put all of the polls for each state um, on, a, on a single graph. It shows what the poll standings were for the past year, essentially, and it graphs them over time. You can do this for any state, which is very helpful, actually, just for maintaining a bit of perspective on these various state nominating contests for the presidency. You can check it out for all the upcoming state primaries, especially those that have never had early primaries or early caucuses before. It's fascinating. But if you look at the if you look at the polling for the past year for New Hampshire, Hillary Clinton was way, 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 way ahead in the polls for the past year. In New Hampshire, and in the last, what, 1% of the year, just about, literally in the last four days before the primary or so, Barack Obama, for the first time, pipped her, started coming ahead, coming in ahead of, of Hillary Clinton in the New Hampshire polls after she had been solidly ahead the entire year. He had a last-minute surge that put him ahead of her for the first time just in the past few days. Now, if you look at this rationally, with a with a bit of a long view from a perspective of longer than, say, oh, I don't know, three days, then actually Barack Obama winning in New Hampshire should have been seen as the shocking potential outcome. 
because Hillary Clinton was ahead all year. If Barack Obama came from behind and knocked her off in the last seconds of the campaign, that should have been seen as the shocking result. But instead, the bandwagon, big media, let's write an easy to understand story about all this, giant, unaccountable, factually challenged, everybody get on the same bus, everybody repeat after the most senior pundit nonsense that passes for political coverage in the United States of America, wrote and told the story that Barack Obama, of course, would win in a landslide. And anything other than a landslide for Obama was totally unimaginable. All year long, Hillary Clinton was the shoe-in, inevitable candidate. Iowa results come in last Thursday, and then, like a myopic goldfish who can't remember that there was a plastic tree in the bowl the last time they swam around it, and, and, and is therefore surprised by that little plastic tree in the bowl every time he swims around and sees it again, because the political coverage in this country has no long-term memory whatsoever. And everyone wholeheartedly believes in whatever the story of the day is, regardless of what the story of yesterday was or what the story of last week was or what the story of the year is, because of that lack of perspective in the pundit world and the way that everybody jumps onto the same story, the same easy to tell story about what's going on. We are supposed to believe that it is a shocker. It is a devastating shocker that Hillary Clinton the front runner in New Hampshire for the entire last year, except for four days, we're supposed to believe that this is one of the greatest upsets in political history. There's no doubt about it. One of the greatest political upsets in American political history. Wow. I got to tell you, I, I thought based on the polls that Obama would probably win in New Hampshire last night based on the last minute polls, right? Just like everybody else. But I uh, even given that, I am, and I, I think I thought he would win by a smaller margin than other people did. That's cold comfort at this point. I have to say, though, even that, even though I was in the same boat as everybody else there, I am still mystified that anybody sees this as shocking, that that is the, that's the reigning, uh, interpretation coming out of last night's result. If you take the longer view, actually, if you take the rational perspective of looking at things over more than a three-day horizon uh, when talking about this race, there actually is something that I find shocking in the results from New Hampshire. But it's not on the Democratic side. It's on the Republican side. John McCain's victory in New Hampshire really was a big comeback. If you look at the polls over the course of the year... In New Hampshire, John McCain was way down below Rudy Giuliani in New Hampshire. He was in Grandpa Fred Thompson territory. McCain literally had all his staffers quit, remember? And the ones who stayed were not getting paid. John McCain, and to a lesser extent Mike Huckabee, coming out of nowhere and doing relatively well in New Hampshire, with McCain winning and Huckabee coming in third. Now, that's actually a comeback story. Giuliani tanking over the course of the year, Fred Thompson tanking, and most of all, Mitt Romney losing, coming in second in New Hampshire. That's a story. Over the course of the year, Mitt Romney was so far ahead in New Hampshire, it almost wasn't even a contest. It was almost an uncontested race for the Republicans. As Again, you look at this stuff as it unfolded over the course of the year. And even as late as mid-December, Mitt Romney was doubling the poll results for McCain and for Giuliani, who were his nearest rivals in New Hampshire, doubling them. And, you know, and that was to be pers that was to be expected, given historical perspective and historical precedent. Keith Olbermann and Jonathan Alter talked about this on MSNBC a couple of nights ago. And it is so true and it is so telling about what these results in New Hampshire mean for Mitt Romney here. Massachusetts politicos running for president have n never lose the New Hampshire primary ever. A Massachusetts governor running for president has never come in anything but first in the New Hampshire primary. In 1964, Henry Cabot Lodge was a former senator from Massachusetts, and he won the New Hampshire primary as a write-in. A governor of Massachusetts losing the New Hampshire primary, like Mitt Romney did last night, that is actually, historically, importantly, shocking. That is actually uh, Mr. Williams, Mr. Russer? What a night. Hillary Clinton has pulled off a stunner. This has made modern political history. Tim. Uh, there's no doubt about it. One of the greatest political upsets in American political history. I see the actual shocking upset of New Hampshire as being on the Republican side. John McCain coming back from the dead to win. 
Mitt Romney flying high in the polls with history behind him, the inevitability of the history of Massachusetts politicos taking the New Hampshire primary, Romney crashing and not winning. I think the shock is there. It's just for the Republican results. There are three huge things you can do to help support the show, but they only take a few seconds. Leave us a great customer review in the iTunes Music Store, dig the show on gig.com, and every month you can vote for the best of the left at podcastalley.com. Find links to all three of these most important sites on the right-hand side at bestoftheleftpodcast.com. Thanks for your support. Results in New Hampshire didn't didn't turn out exactly like we thought it would. As you know, the polls said that Barack Obama was going to win by probably 10 points, and Hillary Clinton won by three. So what happened? I think there's basically two, three, three possible answers, and it's pretty hard to figure out which is the most dominant. I think the first one is it seems pretty clear that with the what's being called the tearing up moment and also with the debate there was a late break in favor of Hillary Clinton and the polls just didn't pick it up although there's some evidence now that in the final night of polling on Monday there was some movement back to Hillary Clinton so that's one possible reason the second reason is you know you have five days between Iowa and New Hampshire the polls are going to be especially volatile going back for a year now Hillary has always been on top then Barack Obama was on top and he rocketed ahead. But so much is happening so quickly and people's minds are moving so quickly, the electorate is probably more volatile than it normally is. Third, and this is the, this is the, the, worst, possible, the worst possibility, something that's called the Bradley effect. And that is the propensity for white voters to lie to pollsters about their willingness to vote for an African-American candidate. Now, there's some evidence pointing against this being behind the change in the polls, and that is the breakdown between voting by men and women. It's, it would seem to be that women had to be uh, less willing to vote for an African-American than, uh, than men do. That doesn't, doesn't at least uh, make a lot of sense on first view. Possibly this was just more of a, a gender backlash or something like that. We don't really know, but what we do know is that the Democratic race is back to a dead heat. So the next big contests are South Carolina and Nevada. Actually, Nevada is on the 19th of January and South Carolina is on the 26th. Now, recent polls, the ones that came out after Iowa, showed Barack Obama way ahead in South Carolina. Probably some of that has to do with the fact that there's a very large percentage of African-American voters in the Democratic primary electorate in South Carolina. Now, there's also Nevada, again, coming up on the 19th. That's been a strong state for Hillary Clinton. But just in the last two days since the New Hampshire primary, two key unions, and remember, unions are very powerful, especially on the Democratic side in Nevada, two key unions have come out and endorsed Barack Obama. Now, along with those union endorsements, here's another thing to keep an eye on. In the two days since the New Hampshire primary, which Hillary Clinton, of course, won, two senators, Senator Tim Johnson of South Dakota, and today, Senator John Kerry of Massachusetts, who, of course, was the Democratic nominee in 2004, have come forward and they're endorsing Barack Obama. Now, with Hillary's comeback, I would have expected labor unions and Democratic power brokers to at least be holding back, if not actually endorsing Hillary Clinton. She is, after all, the establishment candidate, as much as her campaign seemed almost dead only a few, a few days ago. But clearly, there are a lot of people in the Democratic Party who don't want Hillary Clinton consolidating her lead and going back to being the front runner in this race and really think it's time for a change. All right, so that's the Democrats. We're going to take a quick break, and when we're back, we're going to tell you about the latest on the GOP.
Okay, so we're back. Now that to the Republican Party, the primary race on the Republican side, you know, it's really hard to know what to say about this. It's such a mess. There are four candidates who arguably are still in this race. You've got John McCain, who's got the national name recognition and the most recent victory. You've got Mitt Romney, who's basically gotten embarrassed in, in the first two big primaries, but has a ton of money and could keep campaigning forever. You've got Mike Huckabee, who a lot of Republicans actually seem to want to vote for, and who's ahead or in a tie for lead in South Carolina, in Michigan, in Florida, all over the place. And then you've even got Rudy Giuliani, who at this point admittedly is basically a fringe candidate um, you know, in a, in a battle for, in most of the primaries with Ron Paul for fourth or fifth place, but he's still in it too. He's got a lot of money and he's doing okay in the national polls. So the next big showdowns on the Republican side are in Michigan and in South Carolina. If you, we don't really have any idea what's going on in this Republican race though, so if you do, send us an email at the email below and tell us what you think and maybe we'll have some idea what to tell you by the, by the time we do our next episode. I'm Josh Marshall from TPM Media and we'll talk to you next week. Uh, we, we, we still at war. Yeah, we still at war. Do countries need wars in order to accomplish legitimate goals? No. So my podcast, Civilianism, discusses ways to stop needless war, outrageous and wasteful military spending, and accomplish good things without attacking or invading others. It also talks about ways to live smarter in the 21st century. Our leaders can't seem to come up with the answers, so I guess it's up to us. Join me at civilianism.com. Let's find some answers before it's too late. Civilianism.com. Uh, Brad Friedman is the uh, uh, the originator, the artist, the chief editor, and head writer of bradblog.com. He's also one of the leading investigative reporters in this entire country where it concerns voter fraud, especially where it concerns these uh, hideous machines. Uh, he joins us uh, right now from, uh, from L.A. Hey, Brad. Hey, Mike. How are you? Hey, I've been uh, reading this thing not just on your page, but I, 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 or your site, and not your page, your site. But I've been uh, seeing this all over the internet um, about the the possibility of serious voter fraud in New Hampshire, uh, where it concerns Hillary and uh, Barack, and also where it concerns the uh, uh, the few, the handful of Ron Paul votes that occurred in. Uh, in, in a couple of uh, a couple of in, in the Sutton district, and I think there's another district uh, where people who actually voted for Ron Paul, and, and then it comes up zero. Uh, not that I'm a Ron Paul fan, but I, I, it's not just Hillary and Barack. Although it appears that those two, that something really, really weird may have happened. Now, I, you know, I don't know. I thought I would just give this uh, some air and and let's see what you got. What? Well, you should uh, give it some air. And let me, uh, before I give you some details on it, let me make an important distinction here. Uh, the concern here is not voter fraud. The voters are doing fine. Leave them alone. Yeah. It's the election fraud yes. that's a concern. That's no small difference. Be, uh, no small difference because we've got a, a case in front of the Supreme Court today in which the Republicans are in there arguing there's this massive epidemic of voter fraud, therefore we need to have these photo IDs, right. as you know, down that's in Georgia. The, yeah, that's the Indiana case. Uh, yeah. And, and we have it here in Atlanta, uh, It's either, uh, here in Georgia. It's either part of the law here now, or it isn't, or it is, or it isn't. I'm not sure where we stand here. Well, it's meant to do nothing, nothing, but right. keep Democratic voters off the rolls. It's a Absolutely. Republican scam, and it's gone all the way to the Supreme Court. And so it's important when we uh, to draw the distinction between voter fraud, the voters are doing fine, but the elections are a concern. Good, and good point. Good point. Thanks for that distinction. Because sure, and that's, right. that's exactly what we've got here in uh, in in New Hampshire. And I'll say, let's let's for just a second say there was no problem. Everything, every vote was recorded accurately in New Hampshire. Well, problem is, as you've noted, you're seeing stuff all over the place, all over the internet, certainly over at Bradblog.com uh, about concerns here, and. There will continue to be concerns until you have actual transparency in your uh, in your voting system. And what we had in New Hampshire was 80% of the votes counted uh, secretly on Diebold OpScan machines, the exact same ones that uh, folks may have seen on uh, HBO's uh, documentary Hacking Democracy, mm -hmm. where we saw an election flipped before your very eyes on these optical scan machines that do use paper ballots, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, but the you know you, you can see and we've got the video over at Bradblog of this specific hack down in Florida. 
You can see one ballot after another going in. We know exactly what the results should be, and then you print out the results, and the election is the complete opposite. These are incredibly hackable. Everyone now knows this. You know, Mike, there was years ago when I was on your show, and I was regarded as one of these conspiracy theorists, right? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I remember. You know, well, things have changed. Last Sunday's New York Times Magazine, the cover story had an exploding voting booth and a warning label saying your vote may be hacked, lost, destroyed. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is not conspiracy theory stuff. This is very serious stuff. We now know this in state after state. We've got a problem here. And yet, here we go again. In New Hampshire, we've counted 80% of the votes in secret, and the result is, uh, you know, virtually inexplicable to everyone. Everyone, in the meantime, is doing these backflips, you know, trying to figure out how the... Uh, how the pollsters, how dozens and dozens of independent pollsters could have all gotten it uh, wrong. Well, even, even Hillary Clinton's internal polling got it wrong. Every, every single polling pundit or organizations from Zogby to, to Obama to, to Clinton, they all apparently, quote, got it wrong, end quote. That, that's, that's astonishing. I saw uh, somebody from... Uh, Oh, what's one of the big polling companies? Um, Zogby? Uh, no, the uh, another one. Uh, another big polling company. Just yeah. say a name. Uh, there's a, a Quinnipiac. There's a, a boy. All of a sudden, they're not. A Damn, I'm drawing a blank. But anyway, yeah. he was on. He was on one of the news shows tonight. Yeah. Uh, and said Gallup. The Gallup, thank you, that he was absolutely astonished. This executive from the Gallup, uh, Gallup polling organization said he was absolutely astonished at, and, and again, the storyline seems to be how wrong they all got it. Nobody is mentioning the, the, the possibility or even even the remotest idea that these Diebold machines could have been tampered with. And, and we all know that they can be tampered they, with. Yes! <laughs> and, and, yeah, and they won't even, they're looking for all kinds of reasons, though. It was, uh, you know, the, she cried, she found her voice, the women turned out, the the Bradley effect of uh, voting against African Americans and so on and so forth, and not one of them has the courage to come out and say, "Well, hmm, perhaps it's these machines that have been shown to be prone to error or manipulation." You know, from one study to the next across the country, they they can't even mention this idea. You know, and and I've got uh, I'm I'm talking to some of these pollsters and trying to get some comments from them, but you know, I'd like to ask them, the pollsters, hey, look if if the people who made the calls for you uh, turned around and just gave you a list of their results, who asked for what, you know, and did not show you the actual evidence of those phone calls, would you believe it? Would you accept it? Or would you say, oh, we've got a problem here with transparency. There's no reason to trust these results. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happens, uh, in, certainly in New Hampshire, where you've got 80% of the machines, you know, 80% of the ballots being counted by a single company, Diebold, uh, who has a single distributor out there, by the way, LHS Associates, right. uh, a terrible, a terrible company. And I could uh, go into details of, of what some of their executives have done, uh, even over at Bradblog, except I think we would uh, violate the seven uh, uh, dirty words rule here. <laughs> I mean... These guys are unbelievable, and we've got reports late tonight, in fact, that their lead marketing director, one of them that is the loudest, uh, was actually convicted of uh, Mm -hmm. uh, drug trafficking in 1987. Yeah, well, let me, just for people who haven't been to your site yet, or people who haven't read this long explanation Zogby wrote today at uh, uh, Huffington Post, or people who haven't been to Citizens for Legitimate Government today, or people uh, who haven't been to, and I realize these folks have... uh, picked up a, a lot of your work um uh who, who what's this uh mediachannel.org but but here's what citizens for legitimate government has in uh for hillary clinton when the Diebold AccuVote optical scan was used hillary clinton got 39.6 percent of the vote when the the hand counted paper ballots from clinton only give her 34.9 that's almost a five percent difference now barack obama 
With the Diebold AccuVote optical scan, he got 36%. But on the hand-counted paper ballots, he got 38.6%, which means, uh, apparently it looks like to me, that Obama would have won had every ballot not gone through the Diebold system, but in fact had been hand-counted. Is that a wild-ass assumption on my part, or is that a possibility? Well, of course it's a possibility. It's certainly as possible (laughs) as uh, her crying made everybody turn out and vote for her. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that's crazy. That's even, even, actually, even the woman, even the woman, they had her, they had her on uh, uh, on on Keith Olbermann tonight. The woman who made her cry, quote quote, didn't vote for her. So <laughs> that that whole story about, well, we saw her tear up and we decided to vote for, her, or the whole story that people at the last minute, the people who said they were going to vote for Barack Obama, went into the booth and said, no, I think I changed my mind. Uh, that's astonishing. Well, and, and actually, it wasn't even those people because we've got a look at based on some of the exit poll data that you can get at, mind you, all of the exit poll data is adjusted at the end of the uh, election night in order to match up with the results. Right. That said, what we have is that uh, Obama's numbers were almost on the money for what he should have had. Edwards were certainly dead on the money for what he should have had. The only one that didn't turn out right was... Hillary, Hillary. got all of these votes from somewhere. Yeah, hey, hold on a second, yeah. Brad. Let me, let me put you on hold. Uh, we'll do a commercial break here and come back. We're talking with Brad... Friedman at bradblog.com. If you haven't been to his site today and taken a look at, at what he's got there, please do. It's being picked up by uh, websites all over the place, legitimate websites. Take a look at what he's got. Michaels and Simon Artizoni, the creators and directors of Hacking Democracy. It's a documentary shown on HBO and just out on DVD. The film was shocking proof of election fraud in Ohio and talked about how easy it is to rig the vote with electronic voting machines. Russ and Simon, why, why do you think American voters are so slow to wake up to the fact that you've got actual political parties involved in subverting the voting process? I, I agree, Mike, and it's a very serious problem, but I, I, I really wouldn't blame the public too much. Um, I think it's poorly served by its media. Um, I think it's very, very difficult you know, when you're told that you've got one of the best democracies in the world to see some of the, the, the flaws that it's got. But also, this is something that we found when we were making the film. The companies that make these elections machines, in fact, the, the whole machinery of making elections in the United States is so secret that it's very difficult to say anything about it. You know, the, the, the machines that run the process are secret. A lot of the process, as we discovered in Cuyahoga, is kept a secret. If you can't prove what's going on inside these machines, inside these closed rooms, then, then you have no headline to tell the American public. And this is something that the lawyers just kept, you know, we, we, we would have liked to have said a whole lot more in hacking democracy, but we couldn't because we had no proof, because it was all kept a secret. Professor David Dill, good example, David Dill, who you had in your film, mm-hmm. he points out, look, there, there are a lot of people that are involved in writing the software for these machines that are used all over America. They have access to the touch software. If they manipulate that software in any way, it can be manipulated uh, by way of hackers, by way of distance hacking. You think that that's taken, that that will take hold with the American public once they understand that? I don't know how they could not understand it now. One of our problems as filmmakers was how, if you're writing an article, then you could tell somebody, and it's a facty kind of, I think this is wrong. But the opportunity you have with a film is how can you show it? And we realized that the only way, and now when people watch the film, I think they do believe it because the end of the film, we do hack the machines for real. Right. That unless we could show the votes going into a deep old voting machine or any other and show them coming out wrong, that you had a 360 degree view of the entire process because normally voting is secret, you don't see other people's votes, then people would believe it.
again, this is Harry's card. This is the one that he has programmed to count uh, these ballots. This card will go into this slot. The tape shows that there is one question on this ballot, and that is the question, yes or no, we've identified in the database this as race 10. If you look at the Diebold memory card race 10 question, in the yes and no categories, there are zero votes, which means this machine is saying no votes have been run through this card. This card is clean and it is now ready, if ballots are fed through the voting machine, to record those numbers on the memory card. At the election, this is sealed and locked. There are places for the election workers to sign to verify to the public and to the press and to anyone else concerned that there were no votes recorded on this card prior to the beginning of the election. This is Harry's card that is telling us that there are zero votes stored in the memory. Okay, let me get the ballots. Once again, these are the ballots. Two, only two, are marked with the yes. Six. One, two, three, four, five, six. These are all no's. And we're going to insert these ballots, these are all the no's, at a precinct. So what you just did is you, you recorded a no vote. Yes. In an optical scan machine like this, when the voter marks... Don't put another one in. Does it show? Does it show? That was going to be my next question. Is there a number on the screen so we can count them The total count is one ballot. Ballot number two, let's insert a yes ballot. Count two ballots. We're going to put in a no ballot. So now what happens when you put the This ballot? normally sits on a base. And when you insert the ballot in the voting machine, it drops into the base. We're not using the base here because it's unnecessary. I'm putting in, that was the third ballot. Notice the LCD records three ballots. We're going to put in another no. Fourth ballot. Another no. The fifth ballot. Last yes, and there's no particular order I'm doing this, I'm just putting them in to use them up. Six, seven, and the last no ballot, eight. This machine has read these eight ballots, and the voting machine has stored the results in this card. That, placing the ender card in this device and telling it to turn off its counting function and do its reporting function will now cause the voting machine to turn out a tape reading the number of votes that it had just read. <laughs> oh my. Oh, oh no! Seven yes, one no. Sweating, remembering the Chad debacle of 2000 and the touchscreen voting machine debacle of 2004. Brace yourself. Our fourth story on the countdown, the first recount of 2008. 
According to Citizens for Legitimate Government, 81% of New Hampshire ballots were cast and counted on an optical scanning machine, not just one. 19% of votes were counted by hand. They produced different results. In the machine scan precincts, Hillary Clinton got 40% of the vote. In the hand count precincts, she got 35%. Whereas Barack Obama in machine districts got 36% compared to 39% on the hand counted paper ballots. Several bloggers pointing out, however, that most of the machines were in cities where Hillary Clinton had scored highly in pre-voting polling, whereas the hand counting was done mostly in rural areas where Barack Obama had polled high. And it needs to be noted that geographical patterns seem to hold up. Clinton won the areas closest to Boston for the most part. Obama won the Connecticut River Valley for the most part. But Dennis Kucinich, who not only got 1% of the vote in New Hampshire, wants to be absolutely certain the vote count was correct. He's paid $2,000 to start a recount process. His campaign says today it may fundraise to pay any additional expenses. Kucinich saying in a letter he does not expect his tally to change much, but he wants the recount in the interest of, quote, public confidence in the integrity of the election process. The New Hampshire Secretary of State granting his request with, quote, every confidence that the vote is accurate. Representative Rush Holt of New Jersey is sponsoring legislation to fix voting machine problems before the 2008 general election. And he's been good enough to join us tonight. Thank you for your time, Congressman. Keith, good to be with you. Because New Hampshire used optical scanning machines, do they that, that, that actually have these paper ballots as evidence to recount on, on Congressman Kucinich's behalf? Uh, but more than, than 69,000 precincts across the country are using paperless electronic voting machines. What happens if and when there is some evident or at least seeming discrepancy in one of those elections in one of those 69,000 precincts? Sure. Well, you've hit on the good news there, Keith. Um, there may or may not have been irregularities in New Hampshire, but there are voter verified paper ballots that can be counted. And so it's possible to do a recount. It's possible to do an audit. Uh, but if you're a voter from, say, Tennessee, South Carolina, Georgia, or even my home state of New Jersey, uh, you'll go into the primary with unverifiable uh, elections. In other words, uh, electronic counts for which there is no voter verified record. And therefore, uh, you can't do an audit, you can't do a recount. Uh, any recount is meaningless because it just whatever's in the electronic memory is in the electronic memory and that's what you'll get over and over again. So you can't really look at voters' intentions. You're I'm sorry, go ahead. So, well, anything of, anything of value should be auditable and we know votes are valuable. Certainly campaigns spend many dollars per vote they hope to get. Uh, there have been occasion, occasions in history where votes have been bought and sold. Uh, so uh, to give voters the confidence that they deserve that their votes will be counted as they intended, uh, there should be paper ballots and in every election there should be an audit. Maybe not a full recount, but at least an audit to determine whether there's any systemic problem. As you have proposed in legislation, which calls for money to allow states and precincts to switch back to paper ballots in time for, for November of this year, is that the best bet or uh, is there uh, instead some sort of methodology of establishing a, a national election standard? Well, of course, the key is to have audits and states can do that on their own. Now, many of us, in fact, almost a majority of us in the House of Representatives have had legislation pending for a year or two that would mandate standards for voter verified paper ballots. Um, unfortunately, for various reasons, internal and external politics probably take too long to go into mm. for the time we have, that's not gonna be in place by November. So uh, next week, I'm going to introduce legislation that would be an opt-in system so that any county that does the right thing, that implements uh, voter verified paper ballots uh, and audits uh, by November will be reimbursed for that. And uh, that might provide enough incentive along with uh, it was citizens who are demanding this sort of thing that many states will do it. Uh, some states have already done it on their own. Uh, and of the 20 states that in whole or in part have unverifiable voting systems, maybe, maybe some of them, or we would hope many of them, uh, will opt in under this system. I hope we'll be able to pass it quickly. Indeed. Uh, Congressman Rush Holt of New Jersey, great thanks for coming in uh, to Princeton great tonight. To be with you. And, uh, what the hell is going on?
Dust has only just begun to fall. Crop circles in the carpet, sinking, feeling. between the uh, poll results that were announced the day before the election, day of the election, and the actual, uh, and what we were told were the actual returns, uh, indicate that there's either something uh, uh, seriously wrong with, with uh, the polling of firms that collectively uh, are, are worth, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, or, uh, and, the elect- and, and the election w- results were uh, reflective of the vote, or there was something wrong with the election results, and the polls were correct. Now, I don't know which, which it is, but I know one thing, that the biggest, one of the biggest issues nationally is the integrity of, of our elections. People want to make sure every vote is, counts and, can be, and, uh, and is counted. And I'm uh, in a position as a candidate to be able to ask for a recount, and not for myself, because it's unlikely to change my ranking in the, in the can, among candidates, but uh, for the American people and the people of New Hampshire, uh, the stories about uh, certain you know, votes of certain candidates not being counted, concerns expressed about electronic voting, look, these aren't going to go away. We need to uh, clear it up, and the only way to clear it up, I mean, one way to clear it up is to have a recount. I, I mean, that is not to say that uh, is going to dispose of all the issues here. It's not, because there are issues that relate to the technology itself, to the transparency uh, and technology, to how these things are programmed. And, you know, I'm for paper ballots in in all federal elections, so we don't have to deal with this. But if we don't straighten out this issue right now about what happened in New Hampshire, and if it's nothing, fine, then then we'll know. But if there's something there, then the American people will know that at least one person made the effort to, uh, to come to a real accounting. And I, and I think that uh, these, these opportunities are rare, that you can actually kind of stop things, slow down, and say, let's take a look at it. And we better do this because, you know, if, if it's not straightened out in the primary and no one challenges it, uh, what do we expect in the general election? 